morning, everyone. This is Pastor Dave. I'm one of the pastors at Cross Point Church. It's great to be with you on this Sunday morning, and uh, thank you for joining us online. Uh, we're glad that you're here, especially if you're a first-time viewer. We're uh, so glad that you decided to join us today, and uh, we hope that uh, you're encouraged by what you hear, and we hope we get the opportunity to meet you uh, someday. I want to thank you, uh, thank the McKelveys for doing that great greeting for us. Uh, it's good to see them. And um, today I'm coming to you from B&K Bar Supply in downtown West Dallas. They're located right on 71st in Greenfield in the heart of downtown West Dallas. They've been here for 16 years. Uh, they supply local bars and pubs and restaurants with all kinds of different things, um, from glassware to stools to popcorn machines to pizza ovens to signs and uh, paraphernalia and all those kinds of things. Uh, they're open to the public uh, pretty much every day of the week. And uh, you might be wondering, well, what am I doing here at a, a place that supplies bars with all these different things? And the, the main reason I'm here is because of Don Falk. He's the owner, and uh, he's become a good friend over the years. He does a lot for the city of West Dallas. Uh, anytime we do, we're, we're, we um, are downtown helping out with an event like a la carte or Christmas on the Avenue or the, the Halloween hunt or anything like that, Don Falk is right in the thick of things. He gives a lot of time and he volunteers a lot of hours to bring people together in the city of West Dallas, and we're very thankful for all he does for the city. And of course, his business, like many other locally owned businesses, uh, is, is really struggling right now. So, you know, you might not um, find a, a reason to come to BK Bar Supply to, to buy something, but I want to ask you to pray for Don and to pray for his business um, that, that God would. Uh, be with him during this difficult time as a, as a small business owner and that he would help Don get through this uh, just like everyone else is trying to do. So please join me in praying for Don and praying for the others in the city of West Dallas uh, as I continue to um, be out in the community and um, just promoting locally owned businesses. And so I'm really thankful for that Don opened his place up for me this morning and uh, I'm thankful to be here. So thanks for joining us. I want to tell you just once again, we do this every week, but feel free to comment or ask questions during the message today or just say hi. We would love to hear from you. The title of today's message is Scattered Two. This is the sequel to last week's message. Uh, last week, if you remember, we talked about what happens when the church is scattered. And throughout history, there have been times where the church was scattered and the people of God couldn't meet together. And we're in one of those unique cultural moments right now. This is the seventh Sunday in a row that we have not been able to meet. But the amazing thing, and we saw this last week, is that when God's people are scattered, God's kingdom grows. We know that God has a purpose in this. God is moving and his kingdom is growing. And we are hearing and seeing more and more people who are reaching out for God right now. And that is very exciting to us. So let's not push past this season. Uh, let's embrace it because we do not want to miss an opportunity to be part of what God is doing in the world right now. So last week, we talked about what happens when God scatters us. But this week, we're going to talk about what happens when we scatter God. What do I mean by that? Well, today we're going to look at a parable. We're going to look at a parable of Jesus. And in case you don't know, a parable is just, it's simply a story. Uh, Jesus told lots of stories and a parable is the kind of story where uh, you lay one thing next to another just to make a comparison or to contrast two different things to make a point. 
And the parable we're going to look at today is one of the more complex parables. It has a, a few points in it uh, that Jesus ever told. It's also probably the most popular parable that Jesus ever told. If you were to Google the parable, um, the first search that's going to come up is the parable of the sower. And that is the, the parable that we're going to look at this morning. It's called, I think a better title is probably the parable of the soil. This is the first recorded parable in uh, all of the Synoptic Gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's also a very important parable because of something Jesus said right in the middle of it. He said in uh, verse 13, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? In other words, if you don't get this parable, you probably won't get any of the parables. So it's really important that we understand what Jesus is saying in this story. Let's read it together. Mark chapter 4. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now the disciples were confused by this story, and they asked Jesus, What, what does this even mean? And, and so Jesus gave them and us an answer key. And he explains to us what exactly he means. Let's pick it up again in verse 14. Jesus said, The farmer sows the word. That's the word of God. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times what was sown. Now, when we think about sowing seeds, we might think like this. We might think of, you know, having, uh, being all orderly and sowing all these seeds, you know, a certain length apart and in in nice, neat rows. Like, it, it almost makes me think of people sitting in pews at a church, you know, nicely in rows and someone giving a message every week. And we think, well, that's how God's kingdom grows. You know, we just stick to a plan. Everyone, you know, it's all orderly. And as long as we stick to the plan, we're going to see growth. But that's not really the way that God's kingdom grows according to Jesus. At least that's not how God or Jesus scattered the seed. This is more the way that Jesus is talking about scattering seed. You're just taking a handful of seed and just throwing it into the wind and it falls where it will. And uh, that's, you know, you know, when we first read this parable, we might think of a farmer who's, it sounds kind of reckless or even spontaneous. And, uh, you know, as he's scattering this seed, and by the way, this word for scattering, the Greek word is the same word that we saw last week in chapter, Acts chapter 8 and 11. 
He's scattering seeds, and, and some fall on the road, some fall on rocky soil, some fall among thorns and thorn bushes, and he's just scattering seed everywhere, even in places where you would not expect anything to grow. It seems kind of reckless, but this is actually a picture of Jesus' ministry. This is the way Jesus scattered the Word of God and, and taught the, the word of God. He took his message, and when he first started his his ministry, he was in teaching in the synagogues, in these places where there was orderly worship, and in places where people would go expecting to hear about God, in these religious buildings, basically. And eventually, in Mark chapter one, and it didn't take very long. Jesus said, "You know what? Let's let's leave these places and let's go out to other places where there's more people. Uh, let's take this message out of the religious buildings and into the world." Because I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And Jesus understood that it's the good people who go into the religious centers and places of worship. It's the people who have their act together. It's the people who feel good about themselves. But what about everybody else? And so Jesus goes out into the countryside and into the streets and into these villages uh, where there's a lot of people who the religious people had given up on. And so the religious leaders around Jesus are, are looking at Jesus and where he's going and the people he's talking to, and they're thinking, why are you scattering seed there? Nothing's going to grow there. And Jesus is, in this parable, he represents the first sower of the kingdom of God. And he did not exclude anyone from hearing the message of the kingdom of God. He didn't stay in the religious places or the safe places. He didn't exclude bad people. He went to places that religious people avoided. He went to people who were clearly far from God. He went out of his way to spend time with notorious sinners. And the religious people watching Jesus thought, why are you wasting your time? Why are you wasting, you know, what a waste of effort. What a waste of seed. But it wasn't a waste to Jesus. And some of Jesus' most faithful followers came from places where, you know, we might look and say, nothing good can grow there. You know, sometimes we are selective with the seed that God gives us, with the message that God has given us. And sometimes being selective is good. You know, if you're hiring someone for a job, you want to be selective. If you're looking to place someone into an academic program, you know, you're going to be selective. When you're looking for a doctor or someone to treat your medical condition, you're going to be selective, and that's, that's a good thing. Sometimes we're selective with who we invite into our homes for parties or social gather, gatherings. I'm more of an open-door guy, you know. Whoever wants to come, go ahead, come on in. But most of us are very selective when it comes to who we invite into our homes. When it comes to the kingdom of God, Jesus was not selective not in the sense that he chose the best or the brightest or the strongest. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't choose the best. He didn't choose the strong. Jesus chose the weak to hear the message. And the weak received the kingdom of God. There's a, a new TV show that just came out. It's called The Chosen. And some of you have you've heard about it. You've watched it. And I've only seen the first episode and it was awesome. And the first episode is about the first follower of Jesus. And I was really surprised at who they depicted as the first follower of Jesus because it's, you know, when you read the Gospels, you wouldn't think it would be this person. But it's just powerful. And they might be right. Maybe that was the first person to follow Jesus. 
And you just have to see it. It's totally consistent with the kinds of people Jesus was attracted to and the people who were attracted to Jesus. And where he finds this person, this first person who, who decides to follow him, it's just, it just blew my mind. And I thought it was a beautiful depiction of the kingdom of God and the kind of people who receive the kingdom of God. You should watch it. Episode 1 of The Chosen. Uh, I, I'm gonna, we're going to keep watching it as a family. It's a great show. And to the people hearing this story for the first time, this is a picture of Jesus inviting all kinds of people into God's kingdom. And wherever Jesus went, he preached one basic message. And this was the message. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. God is doing a new thing. He's calling sinners to himself. He's bringing heaven to earth. And are you ready? Are you listening? Will you believe? If you want to know God and come under his rule and, and experience his presence, then turn from your sin and seek God with all of your heart. That was basically the message of Jesus and the gospel message, this good news that God is calling sinners to himself. It's a message that brings life, but that life needs the right kind of soil to break out, to come out. And so the soil becomes the focus of Jesus' story. And you know, Jesus was, he was always talking about the importance of the heart. And that's what, that's what the soil represents in this story. It represents human hearts. And people believed back then, and they believe today, that God cares mostly about our behavior. God, God wants us to do good things and to not do bad things, and that's it. But Jesus taught a very different message, and he, he, he shows us a different God. A God who isn't primarily concerned with our behavior, because our, our behavior only reveals what's in our hearts. So God is less concerned about our behavior. He, he cares about what's in your heart. He sees beneath the surface. He sees past your behavior. He sees who you really are. And according to Jesus, there are basically four kinds of heart. Jesus starts out with the hard heart. And uh, th this is someone who has no desire for God. They re basically just reject the message of Jesus. Their heart is hard. The enemy robs them of repentance. As soon as they hear the word, uh, he, Satan comes in, takes the word, snatches it before it can get down into their heart. The Spirit of God is not there to protect this person from the enemy. And I believe that, that God sends his Spirit into people so that when they hear the message, the Spirit takes the message and pushes it down and causes those roots to grow. And so this heart describes someone really who is indifferent to God. They don't believe that they, they can't see how Jesus is relevant to their life. They think they can be happy without Jesus at the center of their life. And in Jesus' day, it was the religious people who had a hard heart. They were, they were the ones who were stubborn and refused to receive the message of Jesus. And, and people of my generation, there's a lot of people who, who might say, you know, I believe in God, but I'm not religious. Well, what do they mean by that? They usually mean, you know, I'm not churchy. I'm not judgmental. I don't force my beliefs onto others. You know, I believe there are many different paths to God, and uh, God cares more about how you live than what you believe. And, and God, basically, he wants me to be good and nice. Um, and, and, and most people who, who believe that way or think that way, they would say that God someday, God's going to accept me because, because of me, 
because I did something, because I, you know, my good deeds outweighed my bad deeds, because I was, you know, consistent and I worked hard and I was, a, you know, a good husband, a good mom, you know, whatever it is. But for someone who, is, who has received the gospel, they believe, they, they would say, I believe God will accept me because Jesus. Jesus is always the first name that they say. Not, not me, not I. Jesus. It's because of what Jesus has done. It's because Jesus rescued me. Jesus died for me. It's because of everything Jesus did. It's only because of God's mercy and grace that he's shown me in Jesus. That's the difference. That's the person who has a hard heart. They're, always, they're, they're trusting in themselves for fruit. Uh, next, Jesus shows us the shallow heart. This is the seed that fell on rocky places. And there's a thin layer of soil that covers bedrock. And they respond to the good news with enthusiasm. But enthusiasm can be a danger sign. They might respond with emotion. You know, the word touches them in some way. And the message of God's grace makes them feel happy. But their faith is shallow. It doesn't last. They're like a flare. They, it, you know, the, and, and you shoot off a flare and this bright light, you know, it shoots up into the sky, but then it fizzles out. When suffering comes, they, they sort of fizzle out. When trouble comes and hard times come, they fall away because there's no root. They're not drought resistant like we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, every human heart is desperately sick. Every human heart is looking for healing and happiness in something. Every human heart is, is looking to put its roots down into something. And when hard times come, some people give into anxiety and fear and they turn inward. They, they go into self-preservation mode because their heart isn't rooted in God. It's rooted in their circumstances. It's rooted in the seasons. It's rooted into their life and how well or not well their life is going. And so they basically believe, it's like that believe in yourself gospel that we talked about a couple weeks ago. The God I believe in wants me to be happy. He wants me to be successful. He wants me to stay safe. But, but uh, for the person with a shallow heart, their roots, again, their roots are in themselves. So when their happiness is threatened, they feel threatened. When their health is threatened, they feel threatened. When their finances are threatened or their security is threatened, they feel threatened. But what Jesus said is, if you, want, if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. You have to die to your dreams and desires before you can embrace the kingdom of God. So the shallow heart can't bear fruit. It, 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 can't, it can't last. There's a third kind of heart that Jesus talked about, and it is what I would call the crowded heart. This is the seed that was sown on, uh, among the thorns. And this describes really many Christians, or at least people who believe they're Christians. Uh, and it's hard to tell sometimes if someone has a crowded heart or a fruitful heart. But we know, according to Jesus, you can't, you can't have both. And these are the people who hear the word and accept it. There's a genuine interest in God. But after a period of time, thorns come in and they grow up, and they, or weeds, and they choke out the word. And they keep it from being fruitful. And Jesus tells us what exactly these thorns represent. They represent the worries and the anxieties of life. They represent the deceitfulness and attractiveness of wealth. 
They represent a, a sense of self-sufficiency. I don't need God to be happy. I have everything I need. The thorns represent desires for other things besides God. And as those desires get louder, God's voice moves into the background and we stop hearing it. We stop responding to it. These people say, you know, God, as soon as we get through this busy season of life, I'll spend more time with you. As soon as we get to this place, as soon as we pay this off, we'll start giving more. As soon as this happens, I'll make you a priority, God. I'll put you first. That's a crowded heart talking. And so Jesus ends the parable with, by, by showing us the one good soil. And he doesn't really say much about it. He doesn't give us much detail. He says these people hear the word, they accept it, and they produce a harvest. They produce a crop. And that harvest is what sets their heart apart. And really, the first thing that tells us is that it's more important how you finish than how you started and, and you've heard me say that before. It's more important how you finish that, than how you started. And that's really good news for all of us because that means that no matter where you are today in your relationship with God, no matter where you're at in your life, things can change. It, God cares more about how you finish than how you start. God cares more about your future than your past. He cares more about what you do next, what you do today and tomorrow than what you did yesterday. So let's talk about the fruitful heart. A fruitful heart is the result of the one who hears. And hearing, that word hearing, is one of the most important words in this parable. Jesus is pleading with us to listen and to hear what he's saying about God. You know, the, the truth is that we all have created this uh, picture of God in our minds, and that picture isn't complete. It's not accurate. God, always, Jesus always gives us the exact representation of God, the perfect picture of God, and we all need to conform to Jesus' image of God. And so that's what Jesus is trying to show us here. He's trying to show us what God does when we receive his kingdom. And these are the people who accept the word of God and they grow, they multiply. When hard times come, they're fruitful. Their faith becomes contagious. They receive the word with humility and dependence. They, they receive it with, with eager, a sense of eagerness. Um, they receive it deeply. Their roots are in God, not themselves. Um, their roots, their life is not anchored in their circumstances. And they receive the word as the only living word. Nothing else has captured their heart the way God, the way God has. Their heart isn't overcrowded with desires and passions that are going to choke God out. And because of the condition of their heart and their posture towards God, they keep digging, they keep listening, they keep asking, they keep obeying. There's a young woman at our church, and I'm not going to share her name with you. Some of you will, will think of this. You'll, you'll know who I'm talking about when I share this. They've, her family's been coming to our church for maybe a year and a half, two years. And when they first started coming, they... She started listening to the message, but she was very skeptical. She was asking lots of questions. She was wondering, how can I know that this is true? How can I know this is real? She was thinking critically about the message, about the Bible, and about Jesus, and about her life. And in all the while, the Spirit of God was cultivating her heart and, and breaking up the, the soil and, and, and you know, moving things around and moving, moving things out of the way and decluttering her heart 
so that she could start to grow deep roots. And I don't know exactly when this happened, and I'm not sure she does either, but at one, one day it occurred to me, man, she's all in. She's all in for Jesus. She's bearing fruit. She's, she wants to grow and to learn, and she, she's helping people in need. There's a humility and a love that is overflowing from her heart. She's bearing fruit, and she's bearing fruit right now in, in, in this, you know, the, the greatest health crisis of our generation. She's doing it as a healthcare professional, and it just leaves me in awe of God. You know, every week we, we preach and teach the Word, and we scatter seeds. We start conversations. We invite people to church, or at least to watch online. We might invite our neighbors over for a fire. Or, um, we, we might offer to pray for someone. We might talk to them about Jesus. We are scattering seeds everywhere, even outside the lines. And God brings a harvest. There is one main reason that God sends his people out and scatters his people. It's for a harvest. That's what we live for. That's what Jesus lived for, the harvest. And God brings that harvest, not us. We just scatter. We just sow seeds. We spread the word. We spread the love of Jesus. We're messengers, nothing more. We don't know what soil is good or what is bad. We're just sowers like Jesus. We can't change the nature of the soil. We're not responsible for the soil. We are responsible for the seed. We're responsible for what we do with this message, this life-giving message that God has given us. He didn't give us this message to, to keep. This message is not, again, like last week, we're not, we don't keep this message safe in the church building. We don't keep this message to ourselves. We have this message to give to others. We don't go around evaluating what kind of potential this or that person has to receive the message. We don't know. Only God does. So we go around scattering the seed, sharing the word, sharing the love of Jesus with everyone we meet. And that message is God loves you. He sent his only son, Jesus, to die for your sins and Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way for us to know God. There is no other way. Do you want to know God as he truly is, not as you want him to be? Then get to know Jesus. That's our message. And believe me, you will be surprised who receives that message. It will not be the people you thought. So I want to, as we close today, I want to ask you a very simple question. What soil describes your heart today? Is is your heart, is it, is it the, the hard heart, the crowded heart? Is, is your heart the, um, the heart that, is, that was sown among, you know, the shallow heart? Please hear this. God is able to change your heart. I can't change your heart, but God can. God is able to completely change your life. He can heal your broken relationships. He can set you free from guilt and condemnation. He can set you free from worry and fear and anxiety. He is ready to forgive all your sins. Will you turn to him? Please don't walk away from the word today and forget what you are. You are the object of God's love. And he is speaking to you through his word. He's calling you. He wants to, he wants to 
change your life through His Son, Jesus. He wants to give you a Jesus heart. He wants to produce His life through you and to share that life with others. Will you receive it? If you, if you want to know God as He truly is and if, 